Hello, friends, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. Yes, you heard that correctly. Yes, the podcast is finally back. After almost two months away, we are finally back with our regularly scheduled programming or what will attempt to be our regularly scheduled programming. This episode today is going to feel a little clunky as we try to get back into the swing of things, but I would like to take a moment and say thank you to everybody for really understanding the break that I needed to take and the summer that I've had to be honest and vulnerable with you for a few minutes. It was not the funnest of summers, wasn't the most productive, um... And it was really taxing on my mental health, and I needed to make a few very difficult decisions, and one of them was putting the podcast on hold. I worked for an American amusement park, which will remain anonymous. I was in their housing department. I worked as a resident assistant, or also called an RA. And for those who have gone to American colleges and lived in dormitories, know that the RA is essentially the glorified babysitter and I'd have huge buildings that I'd have to be in charge of and for lack of better term and to keep it surface level it wasn't fun it was very taxing on my mental health it was at times unsafe and I was thrown into quite difficult and not safe situations in general it wasn't the best for me, my physical health or my mental health. And that was one of the reasons why I put the podcast on hold. It was something that I didn't want to do, but the hours that I was working, the situations I was in trying to put together a podcast in a dorm room where I didn't have my full setup was something I couldn't do anymore. And it wasn't putting out the best of products for all of you, but now we're back. And It's going to be really fun to come back to the podcast because I really love it and I hope all of you guys do as well. But thank you for understanding the break that the podcast needed to take in order to very much survive the summer. I'm back in my home. I'm ready for the school year. I'm ready to delve headfirst into the podcast and my work and really explore topics that not only I want to explore, but also what all of you want to explore as well. Additionally, the return of the podcast was slightly delayed. I wanted it to be out sooner than today, but if you saw on Twitter, then you know this, but just to touch it briefly, my family experienced a very sudden tragedy. My grandmother very unexpectedly passed away, and it really hit me and my family hard, and so I've been grieving and spending time with my family, and so the podcast and schoolwork, everything got put on pause. I was in the process of beginning to write today's script, and then things changed, and I had to leave work very suddenly. That was the last factor of the podcast being on hold, which I announced on Twitter, and hopefully all of you saw it or at least acknowledged it, but yes, I'm... I'm still going through it right now, which is today's episode is what I can handle, but that's what's been going on, but we're back. And before we get into things today, I would like to give a little shout out to Amy from the UK. She left a very wonderful and touching message when the podcast took a break and I posted a thanks on Twitter, but I wanted to say thank you, Amy, for your kind words and understanding. It was nice to know that there are listeners out there that do understand. So thank you, Amy. Thank you for your kind words. And I really appreciate you. So 
What all's been happening in the past few months? Well, we last met on June 25th. It is now August 20th at the time of this episode being released. So almost two months has passed and a lot has happened. And I'm not going to hit on all the news, but we are going to touch base on some of the bigger things that have that have been happening and then we're going to delve into some things that I want to talk about that in these two-month hiatus what I have been focusing on so what's been happening right now well her majesty the queen is officially up in Scotland she went up last week and it was met with a little bit of criticism because one of her household members did test positive for covid and everybody has mixed feelings about her going up there with one of her household staff testing positive, but things seem to be going okay. She has been visited by their Royal Highnesses, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, his Royal Highness, the Duke of York and Sarah, Duchess of York, her Royal Highness, Princess Eugenie, Mr. Jack Brooksbank and their little child, August, her Royal Highness, Princess Beatrice and Mr. Eduardo Mapelli-Mosi have been up there. And Her Royal Highness, the Princess Royal, have it up there as well. I believe their Royal Highnesses, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, and their children have gone up and since left. But don't fact check me. Well, please fact check me on that. Don't take that as complete biblical word. I can't remember if they have left. But the Queen and the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall have been seen out doing some form of engagements, engaging with the community when they did go up to Scotland and I've been seeing a lot of social media posts about the Prince of Wales doing engagements. So it is wonderful to see them out and about again up in Scotland. We do know that this holiday lasts until the end of September or the beginning of October. And at that point, she does return back to London to then just pick back up where royal work dropped off. I tend to not like when they go up to Scotland just because there's not, we don't see any news or engagements or anything. Everything kind of really goes on pause. So I understand why they go up there, but since I'm thousands and thousands of miles away and I don't see or hear them as regularly as I would like when they go up to Balmoral, sometimes I just go, I wish I could still uh, see what they were doing, but I understand that they need a break. I don't know if their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, have gone up, or they will. I I don't know where that aligns in their schedule. I know they're still posting quite regularly on social media, so they're doing, I think, some form of work. I'm not quite sure. But we do know the Queen's on vacation, and various family members are beginning to cycle through visiting and spending time with her. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are back in the news and I will not insert my opinion here. I'm just going to regurgitate what the general consensus is among the public. But right now, the state of the world, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of negativity and a lot of scary things going on. And the Duke and Duchess felt inclined to make a statement about it and tried their best to help the situation. But I don't think it did anything. The general public seems to be feeling that, quote, you know, don't stick your business, don't stick your nose in business where it doesn't belong. People don't think this was appropriate. People don't think this was a good idea. I, (laughs) I tried to not report too often on them, even knowing the last few episodes before the break, I did report a lot on Prince Harry, but they want to be out of the public eye. And so I'm not really going to report too much of my opinion, but 
they made a statement about the state of the world with COVID and the current situation in Afghanistan, and the public didn't really seem to resonate very well with it. They made a similar statement like this during the 2020 presidential election here in America, and there were similar feelings of, please don't stick your nose in business where it doesn't belong. So, who knows what this was for, but I digress. I digress. Princess Beatrice has been in the news lately, but for something really cute, and in my mind, and in my opinion, it endears her a lot and sort of humanizes her more. Her and her sister Eugenie tend to be one of the more relatable of the younger generation of royals, but she was recently in an interview talking about motherhood and expecting, and also being a stepmom and how her marriage is going so far. She did say that her and Eduardo are excited for their child, but also that, quote, their child would be so lucky to be born dyslexic because both Beatrice and Eduardo, they, or Eduardo, excuse me, they are both dyslexic. And instead of being very self-conscious and feeling like it's a weakness, they turned it into a pillar of strength and they really enjoy that they are this way and they don't view this as a disability. They view it as a strength and another beautiful part of them. And I think that's a wonderful message to be sending. And they said our daughter or son, I can't remember what the sex of the child is or if it's been announced but they made the statement that our child would be so lucky because we found the beauty and the strength in this and we would be able to share that with them so i thought that was really nice and i'm of course summarizing here but i thought that was wonderful and i would just love to be friends with with beatrice i think she's wonderful i also think eugenie's pretty cool and this is just another instance where just my heart warmed to them in this statement right here. So she was in the news in an interview and it was just wonderful and cute and adorable. The Duchess of York in this interim recently did an interview with Town and Country Magazine. And this is in the vein of Royals doing very intimate interviews. Of course, we all know about the tell all with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, but there was also one with their Royal Highnesses, the Earl and Countess of Wessex that went over wonderfully and really, really highlighted working royals that don't get a lot of recognition and this is another interview that in my opinion went over very well in the interview she discusses her the work she has been doing what her life looks like now motherhood parenting she also takes time to reflect when she was an active royal and and married to Prince Andrew and really took a moment to reflect and own up to some of her mistakes about letting the press get to her, being immature, really not having the growth that she needed to have, and the maturity level. And she really sort of owns up to a lot of her mistakes. And I think that was a wonderful tidbit with the interview. It was an interview paired with a photo shoot, and the photos were beautiful. They were, at some points, kind of stoic and very just imposing, but classic, glamorous. It was an interview that, in my opinion, I've read almost all of it. It shows maturity. It shows growth. I know Fergie is a very hot-button topic within the general public where some people like her and understand her story. Some people think that she should be stripped of her title and be really distance herself from the royal family, that she shouldn't still be riding the coattails. Fergie's a real hot-button topic, and I think this really helped humanize her 
bring her down to earth and again show her maturity and i haven't necessarily seen if the general public has changed feelings but this at least helped her cause and as well her royal highness princess anne the princess royal celebrated her birthday a few days ago her and i have birthdays around the similar time of year here in august and in fact uh my father actually shares a birthday with princess margaret so that's just pretty cool that we had a royal birthday. There's probably a few other birthdays in there that I can't remember off the top of my head. But those are some of the bigger highlights of royal news that's been happening. Royal work has been continuing as normal. We've seen pretty much the core active royals, that being Her Majesty the Queen, their royal highnesses, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, their royal highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal, and Their Royal Highnesses the Earl and Countess of Wessex. They've been all out doing some form of engagement, engaging with the public, doing work, whether it's been inside St. James's Palace or Kensington Palace or Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle, or actually out there. But Royal Work's been continuing. It's on pause because this has been the Royal Family's on vacation. But that's sort of a just... To a few highlights, a lot has happened in these past two months where the podcast has been on break, but those are some things that I took note of and remembered. So today I want to talk about some of the royal work and royal research that I have been doing in these past two months, and I really enjoy as a sidebar, reading more about the royal family than watching documentaries or watching uh, dramatizations or shows. I do have those that I do like to watch, but I tend to like to read more. I'm more of a book nerd myself. But two books that I've been really reading that I really want to talk about are the first one is HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style by Elizabeth Holmes. And Elizabeth and Margaret, The Intimate World of the Windsor Sisters by Andrew Morton. And yes, that is that Andrew Morton who wrote the big tell-all book, Diana, Her True Story from 1992. But first, let's talk about Elizabeth Holmes. So Elizabeth Holmes' book delves into royal fashion, but not in a way that is in terms of here's what they wore, here's how the look was constructed, oh my goodness, let's look at this. This book is really takes a step underneath the microscope and talks about uh, the the book centers around four royals, but it focuses around this person's particular style, how they chose their clothes, what messages they're trying to sh- uh, show with their clothes, how the public resonated with it, and it really brings to light a thought process that I hadn't really thought of. The book follows four royals, Her Majesty the Queen, Diana, Princess of Wales, Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cambridge, and the Duchess of Sussex. The passage on the Duchess of Sussex is a little shorter because the book was written when the Duchess was still in an HRH and was still working for the firm. So in the book, she is referred to at times as Her Royal Highness, but this was before the big blow up and when they eventually left the royal family. So regarding royal fashion it's just really interesting to think about it it's presented with a plethora of photographs some i have seen some i haven't seen and elizabeth holmes really puts in her own personal experience of seeing some of these in real time when she did do a certain fashion correspondent when she was a royal correspondent or is i can't remember if she still is one it's (laughs) it's been a day but 
I really enjoy reading, I really enjoyed the passage about Diana, Princess of Wales, because it really explained why and how she was this huge fashion icon. Yes, we all know her as this fashion icon and really set a lot of style trends for the 1980s into the 1990s. But this book really sort of shows how, explains how, talks about her love of fashion, some of her best looks, some of her not as well-received looks, looks she recycled and changed. And it's just overall really, really just interesting to read. You don't, we don't necessarily think about what the royals are trying to convey with their fashion. We think about, when we think of fashion, it's a lot of price tag and Oh, it's it's this big state event. They're going to wear new. Who's their designer? Are they wearing English designers? There's a lot of controversy in terms of what they're putting on and not, you know, what does it mean? You know, the Queen's coronation gown had flowers and symbols for everybody in in Great Britain, but in the Commonwealth and similar things were on her wedding dress. And all the wedding dresses have lots of symbolism in them. In certain state visits, they have certain cloths and clothes that are from the areas and try to wear colors and cuts that are not only respectful of the of the area that they're in, but to send similar messages. And there's a lot of wonderful things that we don't necessarily think of. So I would highly recommend reading HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style by Elizabeth Holmes. I'm not the best of writers, but it is presented from a from a writing standpoint. It's written very much in a conversational style. So the passages can really move really quickly. It's presented very informally, conversationally, like you're talking with one of your best friends about something that you really like. So I would very much recommend HRH by Elizabeth Holmes. It really puts royal fashion into a different perspective, but also in some ways highlights the pressure that royal women are under. We don't really talk about men's fashion in the royal family. It's always the women and what the women do. And this highlights a lot of that, the pressures that they have to think about and the microscopes that they get put under by everybody when they step out. And it sort of in some ways, without saying it, highlights this dichotomy within the royal family where the men really don't get anything, but the women get a lot of pressure. So I would say go for it. Go for it. Really delve into it. 10 out of 10 could not recommend it enough. The other book, uh, Elizabeth and Margaret, The Intimate World of the Windsor Sisters by Andrew Morton. I would like to say right off the bat, Andrew Morton knows how to write a book. This is so wonderfully presented When reading about history, sometimes it's very difficult to digest. It's hard to get through. His reading history and biographies sometimes is like reading a college textbook, and it's really difficult to find accessible and relatable and enjoyable. Andrew Morton does a stellar job. I can tell he spent a lot of time reading literature, and it's this wonderful storytelling. He really unfolds history like a wonderful story. So Andrew Morton, you know, snaps to you, dude. You know what you're doing, and it's such a pleasure to read. I read uh, Diana in her her true story, and again, in a similar way, it's this heartbreaking story, but it's presented in such a way to where it's just this beautiful story being told. That is very, many cases, very true. But just as the title suggests, this delves very much in depth into the relationship between the queen and her younger sister, Princess Margaret. And one of the things I appreciate is it fully 
not bullied, that's too strong of a word, but it better colors in why the, in some cases, why the royals behave the way they do. And it's in some cases an antiquated way of thinking and presenting things where instead of addressing an issue head on and actually addressing problems, there's a lot of still just bury your head in the sand, don't acknowledge, don't go there. And just, it'll work itself out. If we don't acknowledge it, it'll, they'll realize they're mistaken. It'll work itself out. And a lot of this book highlights those moments where the queen and the queen mother were hoping that, oh, this problem with Margaret will work itself out. And also how when the king was still alive, how she knew how to, you know, manipulate in such a way to where she could not get in too much trouble and get what she wanted. So this book, I think, really helps highlight why Margaret was the way that she was. The book does spend a little bit more time talking and spending time with Margaret, but that also makes sense. The Queen's schedule is very dependable. It's the same. We know where she was, and her role is very concrete. Margaret's role was never concrete. She was really from the get- the book highlights this, where the Margaret really wanted to spend more time in Elizabeth's education because she was so curious and she was a very quick learner. And in uh, The Little Princesses, Marion Crawford also highlights this as well, that Margaret really wanted to still push her education, but all the powers that be said, no, she doesn't need to know that. And, you know, in that case, I really kind of felt for her where she wanted to still be in this education with her sister and still learn everything, but she was told no because she was the spare and then eventually just became another rung on the royal family ladder. And there are times when I, much like when reading Lady Anne Glenn Connor's book, my heart kind of hurts for Margaret. This history has presented Margaret as this very spoiled, temperamental, difficult royal who either you loved or you hated and no one really knew where she stood where you stood with her excuse me and she in some cases was just difficult she was really difficult to deal with and the this book by andrew morton and the memoir by lady glenn connor really highlights a lot of where history really hasn't been kind to, to princess margaret she was a a beautifully flawed character and morton's book really delves into that her marriage her relationship with her sister, the whole affair with group captain Peter Townsend and uh, Princess Margaret, which in the other book by uh, Susan Bettle Smith, I believe, the big memoir about the of the big biography about the Queen, they don't really spend too much time about the group captain affair. At least from my memory, it's been a, a few years since I've read that book. But just, I can't recommend this book enough. There's photographs that I haven't seen before. It delves into her relationship with, well, Princess Margaret's relationship, not only with her sister, but with her mother, the uh, Queen Mary, her father, her friends. It's just overall, it's really put Princess Margaret into a perspective that I began to think, but never really leaned into. And so I really appreciate what Andrew Morton did here. He also, the group captain Peter Townsend affair, boy, that was details I never really thought of and things I never really knew that even after they announced that they were uh, not seeing each other anymore, they weren't going to get engaged, they weren't going to get married, and we were sort of told that was it. Well, now Princess Margaret and 
the group captains still saw each other a few times after that, and they sort of maintained a decent friendship before they finally went their separate ways. And I was talking about, I'm not going to tell too much about this book in particular, because it's, it's such a wonderfully crafted book delving into the relationship between the two, how they have such different personalities and different ways of life and different approaches to life. And yet they couldn't be more different. And yet they stood by each other's side until the end when Princess Margaret finally passed away. Couldn't recommend it enough. Andrew Morton is a wonderful, wonderful writer. And yeah, get get one, get in there. And I really enjoy spending time with Andrew Morton's writing. Now, another thing I've been noticing and trying to ingest and sometimes not ingest is royal media. And what do I mean by royal media? So in the past few years, we, the general public, have been gifted with a lot of media portrayals of the royals through the crown, the also the series Victoria. We saw King George V and Queen Mary in the Down Abbey movie. We have this new film by Kristen Stewart coming out called Spencer. And then there's there's this. I believe it's HBO Max released this cartoon called The Prince. And The Prince is a satirical cartoon in the vein of American Dad, Family Guy, The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, where it is this adult and dark humor cartoon. And it is a comedic representation of the royals. The show's main character is His Royal Highness Prince George of Cambridge. And it's little vignettes and stuff where we see, you know, Prince Harry and Meghan struggling in California how the queen apparently viciously hates Camilla and Camilla's really scared. Prince William and Catherine have a loveless marriage and they don't love each other anymore. That Princess Charlotte is crazy and is just out and just is out there. It's it's very satirical. It's very much poking fun and making fun of the royals. It I remember seeing an ad for it a year ago. And then nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, it is not only being advertised again, it is now (laughs) advertised. Here's a full cast list. And oh, here's a release date. Bada bing, bada boom, we're done. And I believe it's getting renewed for a second season. I'm going to be honest with all of you. I haven't watched all of it. It doesn't necessarily interest me. I understand what they're doing. And they're, you know, trying to be tongue-in-cheek. Ha ha ha, let's knock the royals down a peg a little bit. There's so much drama here that we could really run with. I understand what it is, what they're doing. But I don't know. I just, I just, I can't get into it. I've earnestly really tried. I've seen a few clips here and there. But it doesn't really interest me. I do know that this is not the first time a satirical comedic representation of the royals has been seen actively poking fun at them and trying to knock them down a peg and comment on them actively in real time. This isn't the first time that this has happened. I believe there was a a puppet show in the 90s that I've seen clips of or what looked like what looks like to be a puppet show where everybody looks like caricatures. So th- we're not this isn't anything new. And I know that the American market is really resonating with this. They, We really seem to like it over here. We think it's really funny. And 
from what I've been told, if you have a good working memory of royal history, you'll get some of the jokes. Apparently, some of the writing has deep cuts. Apparently, there is some really deep humor that's the joke sometimes land they sometimes don't this is really a matter of you have to know your history to really understand some of them which is fine it's fine but americans really seem to love it but apparently everybody across the pond really doesn't and in some cases people are kind of offended by it which i also understand that as well so i don't know if i'll watch it i highly doubt that i will but that popped up and you know, everybody's entitled to do what they want to do, but I just, that doesn't necessarily interest me. And the Royals haven't reacted to it, but enough commentators have said, you know, this is, we we as people don't like it, but we don't know if the Royals are aware of it. The last little bit, which is a bigger topic that I've wanted to talk about for a while, but we're just going to now delve into it you know, head first, is we've been in these, actually in the past two weeks, We've been given teaser images of the last two seasons of The Crown. The Crown, if you don't know, is Peter Morgan's love child. He was the man responsible for the mid-2000s film The Queen, which is a dramatization about the week that the Princess of Wales died and then her funeral. And it showed the other side of the coin, a dramatization of, "Mm, maybe this is what happened up at Balmoral. It's just sort of, without saying it, sort of being on the royal side in that regard of, hey, this is what kind of happened. But the crown. The crown follows the life of Queen Elizabeth II and her ascension to the throne and her life as queen, her family. And it's meant to show the intimate moments of the royals and moments where we don't have history. We don't have anything written down. Regarding the crown, my friend Liz and I were having a discussion about this. And she had a wonderful analogy to try to explain the crown. The crown is like a coloring book. The dark lines and the the images are the bits of history that is actually there. Big historical events, the clothes people wear, the actual characters themselves. But the crown is a blank coloring book. And Peter Morgan is using his own colors and his own interpretations to color in the book. And in turn, his colors are different and... It is a different, they're different pictures. I know the crown is fake. I know that the crown is a dramatization of history. They've taken liberties with the show in instances like the group Captain Peter Townsend and Princess Margaret Affair. They changed that outcome in order to highlight the struggles between the sisters. They It was for storytelling purposes. I understand why they did it. But it didn't help the cause. And season four, oh boy howdy, season four really reignited all the animosity to Prince Charles and uh, Camilla to the point to where actual members of the of the of the firm had to come out and through the royal household ask for a disclaimer to be put at the front, highlighting this is this is fake. And with the crown, Peter Morgan has said to that he was never going to. No, this is this isn't fact. He's not trying to present fact. He's trying to color in these very intimate moments that no one knows. He's trying to fill in. Oh, maybe this happened. Wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Hey, what if this happened? And it's a lot of that. A lot of what ifs and maybes and could this haves. 
and I think it's wonderful. I love watching The Crown. It's become comfort television for me because it's so beautiful to look at. The costumes and sets and mannerisms and the characterizations are all beautifully done. It's a beautifully crafted show, and it deserves all the awards. But stills for uh, season five and season, I believe season six, have come out with Dame Imelda Staunton as the queen. And that right there, her makeup team and costumes, they need you know, kudos, they need a raise, they need some form of extra accolades, because she looks fantastic. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki as Princess Diana looks fantastic. The actor playing Prince Charles, I don't think I've heard of, and clearly because I don't remember his name. The likeness isn't necessarily there, but let's see how he, his speech patterns and mannerisms and the characterization may help sell it. I'm not quite sure. But we've gotten stills of the crown, and the crown is being reignited again in pop culture. They recently released the video of Emma Corrin as Princess Diana singing All I Ask of You from the Phantom of the Opera for, I believe it was for season four, episode nine, when they're celebrating their, it's the avalanche, and the relationship between Charles and Diana really begins to take a turning point. But I personally love The Crown, but I know it's fake. I know it's a dramatization, and other people, especially here in America, tend to take it as biblical truth. And it is not biblical truth. It is just a show. A very well-made show. But I, you know, what do you think about The Crown? Let me know. Do you appreciate what it is Peter Morgan's trying to do? Do you understand what Peter Morgan's trying to do? I've always wanted to talk about The Crown on the podcast, but I didn't necessarily know how to best present it and today this is all I could really handle <laughs> was reviewing books reviewing media the prince the cartoon show I love cartoons as much as the next person but this one I I I have mixed feelings about mainly because in some cases adult cartoons tend to really center around blue humor what's called blue humor and just doesn't do it for me sometimes and the crown it's such wonderful acting and such wonderful it's just everything's wonderful i will say season three was my least favorite not because of the cast change no 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 i just didn't like it because the costumes very specifically the jewels weren't very accurate i really like studying royal jewelry and royal that side of royal uh, fashion i really love studying the jewels and the tiaras and the crowns, and season three wasn't very accurate, so that's why I have that feeling about season three. It wasn't the most accurate, and season four redeemed themselves, but I digress. I digress. I'll move on from here, but that is what I have been up to the past two months while the podcast has been away. Reading two books, her uh, HRH by Elizabeth Holmes and Elizabeth and Margaret by Andrew Morton, and uh, these two shows, the Prince, I've been aware of. I've seen it. The Crown, diehard fan. Continue to watch it, rewatch it. But let me know, what uh, what royal books have you been reading? Or royal media have you been consuming? Have you seen The Prince? Do you, do you like it? What are your thoughts on The Crown? Is there a royal book that I should review next? You know, what did you think of this? Let me, let me know as we get back into the saddle of things. But... The scatterbrained episode, yep, this was, <laughs> was most of what I could manage right now, getting back into the swing of things, uh, trying to f- get the rhythm and the groove back of the podcast, but there we are, we're back, everyone, the podcast is back, and we're gonna 
try to do like we've always done weekly uploads on Thursday or Friday and we'll just see where the where the show takes us if you made it this far thank you for stopping by the podcast today I really appreciate it if you'd like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing to improve the, the podcast for the future, you can drop me a line at BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. I check that email regularly, so you, you will be seen and you will be heard. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, but also on things happening within the royal family, you can head over to Twitter. You can follow me there at Fanatic underscore Royal or British Royal Fanatic Podcast, whichever way you want to search for it. But over there, I try to post as regularly as I can, update you with what's going on with the show, what's happening in real events, and certain thoughts that I'm having. So just head over there. Also on Twitter, there are links to donate. If you would like to donate to the podcast, as we still don't have a sponsor yet, uh, you can do so. Uh, There are two links that you can do. There is a PayPal link for one-time donations, or if you feel so inclined and would like to make monthly donations, there is a link over on the Anchor homepage. Any and all donations, if you feel so inclined, are greatly appreciated. You'll get a personal shout-out on the show, and this will allow me to continue to make the podcast the best ever it can be. It is very much a one-man show over here. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and more. Rate, review, subscribe, and share so the family can continue to grow and this podcast can just be the best that it can be. Everyone, have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, do something nice for someone, and I will see you in the next one.